So I'm going to share a story with you. I can't confirm it is true. But I want you to imagine a mother who was about, oh, 27, 26. She went to pick up her cousin, who was about 16 at the time, to take her to school. And this mother had a, a two-year-old, and we can just call his name Jonathan, if you like. And she got in the car with her two-year-old, went to pick up her cousin, and the cousin said, I'm not getting in the car with that kid. Look at him. And that kid was wearing his typical daily attire. He had on a football helmet. He had on plastic rain boots. He had on a double holster with a revolver on each side. And he had a purse. And my mother said to her cousin named Beth, she said, Beth, that's what two-year-olds look like sometimes. You're 16, get in the car. Why do I share that story with you? I have some deep-seated, deep-rooted issues I need to work through today. <laughs> no, I share it because, yes, that's what two-year-olds look like sometimes, but I want to ask you this question. What do Christians look like? What's a Christian supposed to look like? And, in fact, our text tells us all about that today. You see, in the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angels answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is a word of the Lord. So we have a, a marvelous, marvelous historical event here, and something encouraging to think about is that Luke almost certainly heard this from Mary. Remember how he started way back in Luke 1? He's, he's doing a well-studied account of the things that have taken place. And we know geographically he would have been in the same area as Mary for at least a couple years. And he almost certainly would have gotten to know her and probably sat down with her and said, Mary, tell me about what was it like when you found out you were pregnant. So just chew on that for a minute. This is not a make-believe story. These are facts recorded. And what we see here is, well, let's take it in three hooks, Mary, Jesus, and us. And that's why that doesn't look like the right notes. That makes more sense. I'm like, that's last week's sermon. We see Mary, and she is interestingly set up in this text. Okay? Six month, that talks about how far Elizabeth is along. Nazareth is, is a you're in a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The word is actually polis. It's, it means city, but it should mean town or village. Small little place. Betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. We'll get to him of the house of David. Her name was Mary. Well, 
check this out. What does the text not say about Mary? This is important to drive home. Remember Zechariah and Elizabeth back uh, last week, they were what? Righteous before the Lord. Joseph, if you go over to Matthew's account, is actually just or righteous. Would you notice what it says about Mary and her standing before God? Is she righteous? Does it say anything? It's strangely silent. Why is it strangely silent? Well, because I believe God is trying to drive home a point that this is simply a common, ordinary woman saved by grace through faith that God chose to use. Look at 147. Mary refers to God as her Savior. Mariolatry permeates Roman Catholicism, and I only share this because the majority of people you interact with are self-identified Roman Catholic people. And do you know what Roman Catholic people pray to, who they pray to? Hail who? Hail Mary, what's it say next? And that comes right out of a distortion of this text. Mary is not a dispenser of grace. Mary's a recipient of grace. Don't you dare pray to Mary because Mary can't hear you praying. I can guarantee you this biblically. If Mary saw what the Roman Catholic Church did to her, she would be appalled and ashamed. She would, she would cry out and yell, stop this stuff. My friends, Mary is a sinner in need of a Savior who God chose to make a declaration to, oh, you who are favored, meaning God chose to dispense his grace upon you and to use you for a particular purpose. Why is this important? Well, it's important because if you submit to the doctrine of a church that teaches a heresy, there's a problem. There's a, a loss of the gospel that inevitably comes along, and it's really important as you engage with your Roman Catholic friends that you help them see the gospel in Scripture and not a distortion of it where justification is distorted and Mary is seen as co-redemptrix and a dispenser of grace. Mary is just an ordinary lady in need of a Savior who God came to and said through Gabriel, you have received grace and you will be used mightily. Do you see how beautiful that is? It says Mary was a virgin. Do you guys want to get into this? The virginal conception. Was Mary really a virgin? Do you have to? Here we go. We'll get, we'll get tricky. Do you have to affirm the virginal conception of Christ to be saved? Rich says no. Don't ever answer out loud. It's too risky. Rich says no. Anybody, uh, anyone say yes. Barb says, yes, we're going to take a church vote and then make a determination on this doctrine. Let me give you the answer. The Council of Melbourne. I'm going to say the answer is yes, but here's why. If you don't affirm the virginal conception of Christ, you are unbeknownst to yourself potentially denying the reality of who Christ truly is. Christ cannot be truly God and truly man, sinless before God, if he's born of a human father. Now, I know people who are saved who have struggled through that doctrine, so don't misunderstand me. Salvation doesn't rest on affirmation of a doctrine other than submission to Christ and forgiveness through him alone. But this is pivotal, that Jesus has to be born of a virgin. And if you stick with us over the coming weeks, we'll show you how this is seen and affirmed and true. But it's a big, big deal. And the Greek word parthenos, it just means virgin. If you need it defined, it means a young woman who has never known a man sexually. There's no wiggle room. 
Well, how the heck does a baby get born without a daddy? It ain't never happened before. It ain't never going to happen again. It's called a miracle. But Jesus had to be born miraculously to be able to save you from your sin. And we will unpack that in the weeks to come. Gabriel says, Mary, you've been chosen by God to be a recipient of saving grace, and you have been chosen by God to bear a child, but not an ordinary child. That's the message to Mary. Mary is not a dispenser of grace. She's a recipient of grace. And do not pray, Hail Mary, full of grace. Pray, Our Father who art in heaven, Mary can't hear you. Mary can't save you. Mary is a sinner saved by grace. Don't badmouth Jesus' mama, but understand his mama didn't save him. He saved his mama. Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. Wouldn't you guys like to have pregnancy with, with no gender reveal, no name picking out? You know, God just says, it's going to be a boy. And his name is Jesus. Wow, that takes a lot of pressure off. We say that name all the time, don't we? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But do you know what Jesus means? Matthew says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Do you know what Jesus means? God saves. There's something magnificent that we lose in the casual usage of the name Jesus. You shall call his name God saves. I mean, let that, let that sink in for a little bit. God saves. He will be great, the son of the most high. John would be great before God. Remember that last week? Jesus would just be great. John would show the glory of God as God worked through him. Jesus was the manifest glory of God. God saves. Jesus is God. Hebrews 1.3, you know what that says? He's an exact imprint. He is God himself. Let's flip over there, folks. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. That's Philemon. There we go. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. You have a baby. His name is God saves. He will be great. Your baby will be the manifest glory of God. God himself. God concarnate. God incarnate. He will reign forever. Hang on to that for a minute. We'll get back to that. Imagine holding this baby. Little baby. He poops. He burps. Cries but never sins. Never fought with his sibling. You hear me, Mia and Dylan? Never fought with his sibling. Never disobeyed his mama or daddy. Never was given a chore and said anything but yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. Never griped on the way to synagogue. Never fought with a kid at school. Never did anything wrong. This baby is God. 
Y'all have babies, you're like, my baby's so precious. Your baby's not precious. That baby is precious, and he would rule forever. Foundation of the gospel. Jesus saved you to be a part of his kingdom, to live under his rule forever. In increasing joy, but he came fully God, fully man, to save sinners by himself, to himself, taking them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, so that we might serve him as our king and our savior, and know him as our friend all for his glory. There's the gospel. And he shall reign forever. And you know that song? That's the gospel. He shall reign. But you've been saved into his kingdom to live under his rule, knowing him as your friend. This is magnificent. Mary, you're going to have a baby. But, 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 but I'm not quite married. How, how's this going to happen? Oh, don't worry. This is all, you mentioned Gabriel. He's like, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Poor Gabriel. Got talking to Zechariah, comes back. What's wrong with this guy? You don't believe God? What's wrong with these people? God kill them all. Well, six months later, Gabriel's hanging out doing what Gabriel does. I don't know, probably push-ups and praising God. God calls him in. Another message. Make a messenger. Gabriel's like, where am I going? Oh, it's a a young woman, a young kid, 13-year-old kid in Nazareth. Yeah. What do you want me to tell her, God? Tell her that the uh, Messiah is going to be born through her. So the angels are like, oh, they're all excited. He goes, he's like, hey, Mary, she's like, whoa. He says, I got good news for you. You're favored by God. You received his grace. You're going to have a kid. And she's like, but I'm a virgin. I'm I'm not even married. I'm betrothed. I'm not married. How's this going to happen? He's like, what's wrong with you? But there's a difference. Her question is a question of one who is confused as opposed to Zechariah who is doubting. Do you see disbelieving doubt or confusion? There's a big difference in the questions. And Gabriel gives her an answer. So Mary's like, Oh, how's this going to be? I'm a virgin. She's a smart young girl. She got the birds and the bees talk. The angel says to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And you just realize, Mary's got to be sitting there going, Uh? 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 And Gabriel's got to be like, what is wrong with these people? Is it confusing? You're going to have God, baby. Ah? Ah? She goes, all right, listen. Elizabeth? Mary's going, yeah, old Elizabeth. Well, look what he says. She's pregnant. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Remember, she's been in hiding for five months. In this sixth month with her who's called barren. So now Mary's like, huh? Huh? At least she's making noise now. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now stop and think about this. Mary is probably working around the house. She's about 13 years of age, maybe 14 on the high end. She's just doing stuff around the house, minding her own business. And a, 
an angel shows up, Gabriel shows up. And Mary's just like having a normal, ordinary day. In her mind, she's like, oh, I can't wait until Joseph and I are formally married. Our betrothal period is coming to an end. Yes, she was British too. And she's like, daydream, she's probably looking over. Joseph is building their addition onto the house where you know where they're going to be living. And she's all excited and, and looking forward to being a wife and maybe being a mom and, and all this great future in front of her. Common, ordinary, wonderful future. And this angel shows up and says, sweetheart, here's what's going to happen from where Mary's sitting. Joseph will probably divorce you at best. Imagine that conversation. Oh, Joseph, I've received a revelation from the Lord. I'm pregnant. How many of you, if you were engaged and your fiancé comes up to you, oh, you won't believe it. It's a divine conception. Go praise God. Right? So this lady is betrothed. We don't, we don't have a betrothal period. They had arranged marriages and betrothal. And I'll be drop dead serious. If I had a daughter, you would see the Tripp family drop a betrothal period. And, well, I'm not going to go down that. I got issues, like I said. But she's betrothed. She's as good as married legally. But there's no consummation of the marriage until the actual marriage at the end of the betrothal. And there's no way Joseph is going to stick with her. And you know that. You can go ahead and read Matthew. God was gracious. Sent an angel to talk to Joseph. But it gets worse. Her family's going to kick her out. That's just what happened in Jewish homes for sexual immorality. The synagogue's going to boot her. And don't go thinking she's going to another synagogue around the corner that has a gospel light service. They didn't have that back then. She's going to be isolated. She's going to be impoverished. She's going to live a life of shame. So don't think of Gabriel's message as, woohoo! Think of Gabriel's message as, oh my. But look at Mary's response. And this is, this is what's mind-bending. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, here's what we just saw there, and here's what I want to dig into. That's what a Christian person is supposed to look like. You see, Mary heard the gospel, the clearest proclamation of the gospel in human history up to this point. That's exactly what she heard starting back here in verse 31. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name God saves. He will be great. He will be the manifest glory of God and will be called the Son of the Most High. This is God himself. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Clearest gospel proclamation ever. And Mary heard the gospel, Mary trusted in the gospel, and Mary evidenced that by submitting herself to God's will. You see, here's what a Christian looks like. A person who has heard the gospel. A person who has trusted in the gospel. A person who evidences this, by living a life increasingly submitted to the rule and reign of Christ for his glory, and then a person who comes to see God's word is always true, God will care for those perfectly, care for them perfectly, 
and they can testify to specific ways God has done this for his glory in and through their lives. My friends, a Christian is not someone who simply hears the gospel. A Christian is not someone who simply hears the gospel and says, I agree with the facts of the gospel. A person, a Christian is someone who hears the gospel, believes in the truth of the gospel, and then begins to live their lives in light of the truth of the gospel. Mary, from a human perspective, was, it's all gonna go bad, but she knew the God of the gospel and knew that somehow it wouldn't go bad. And I'm sure Mary said something like this. Huh. I have no idea how this plays out, but I know I am loved by God. I know I will be cared for by God, and I will simply trust God for the future as I trust him today. Sound easy? And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. Where was Abram going? Where was he going to get his income? Who was going to provide for all of his stuff? How is it going to work out? What did God say? Go. Joshua, start marching. Gideon, you wimp. We're going to fight a battle, you and me. I'm going to let you bring about a couple dozen folks. We'll take out 100,000. No worries. Mary, you are going to become pregnant miraculously. You will bear the Christ child. He will rule and reign forever. And Mary didn't say, but God, but, but, no, hold up. I ain't giving you my womb. You're going to mess up my marriage. You're going to mess up my life. You're, hold up. I got plans. I'll accept forgiveness from this Christ child, but I ain't going to open up my womb to the Christ child. Now, Mary's not co-redemptrix. This is not the beginning of the Me Too movement where God was asking permission. Okay? This is Mary submitting to the will of God, being used by God for the glory of God. Don't distort culture into scripture, okay? This is not Mary saying to God, you may bring about salvation through me. That's another Roman Catholic doctrine, right? It's called, she's called the co-redemptrix. There's a reason, you know, we, we don't have Jesus on the cross up there, right? You know why we don't have Jesus on the cross? Because he's risen. He is risen indeed. But do you know where we forget to put Jesus in, in the Reformed churches? Pope, the Reformation was wonderful in that it cemented the doctrine of justification by grace alone through faith alone. But what we've forgotten on the back end of that, he's not on the cross, he's on a throne. And he shall reign forever and ever. And what he says to Mary here, where Mary evidences her salvation, is here is my will for you. And Mary says, yes, Lord, your will, not mine, be done. How did things work out for Mary? Did Joseph divorce her? He didn't, did he? Did the angel have to say, Mary, chill out, let me explain how this all happens. An angel's going to talk to Joseph and make it all okay, so don't freak out. Now, now you're going to have to get out of town for a while, but, but don't worry, it's gonna, he doesn't give her all the details. She just trusts God. My friends, we are invited to allow the Lord to sit on the throne as we trust him. He's on the throne. But as we trust him, we're used by him, and we glorify him, and we have joy that we cannot fathom. Everything God commands you to is an opportunity to submit your life to his rule and reign so you can see him act and work for his glory. Now, American Christianity is very much about 
we're, we're, we're ruling with Christ, thinking that we're, we're going to negotiate. Well, Jesus, listen, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to share the gospel. I'm just not. If you want me to share the gospel, well, you do it. Uh, finances? <laughs> Are you kidding me, Jesus? We got Amazon. I got a lot of stuff to purchase. I can't. I'm, but, but listen, it's by grace, Jesus. You're forgetting your doctrines, Jesus. It's by grace. Don't be asking for stuff trying to trick me. I, I'm not giving you nothing. And then we kind of tell Jesus, Lord, this is what I want to do with my life. And if you could kind of make that all work perfect, that'd be great. Just me and you, Jesus, rocking out. That's just not biblical Christianity. That's not the gospel. And here's what you're missing. God's not sitting there going, man, I need workers. The, the, the work is so much and there's no one to do it. People, please help. That's not what the text says. The work is plentiful, but the labors are few. It's not God going, I need help. It's God going, there is so much joy for you to have. Trust me and walk with me. God doesn't, want, God doesn't need your stuff. God wants your heart. And here's the question. Where are you not trusting God because you don't see how it plays out? Where do you think you have a better plan than God has? Who would sign up to be Mary knowing the risk that Mary had, knowing the loss that Mary would endure, knowing the, the struggles Mary would go through? But did Mary make a bad choice? God's ways are perfect. His word proves true. Everything God says will be as it is, and our invitation as children of God is to trust in him and be saved. You think about how you steward everything in your life. And this is the first key. Stop and think. Because we kind of just go through life at 70 miles an hour, and we don't ever stop and think, and here's what's going to happen. One day you realize that little kid who was born to you actually just moved out because they grew up. And then that, that, that wife or husband you married all those years ago, y'all became grandparents if you're lucky. And then you finally made it to retirement and you're all happy, but you can barely jump without blowing out a disc. And then maybe you get to travel a little bit and enjoy your family. And then you're going to get dead. And then it's all over. And you're going to meet Jesus face to face. And you're going to give an account for how you lived. And please, you don't want to give this account. Well, Jesus, I got so caught up in this stuff, I forgot about you. But I'm in by grace through faith, right? No! Slow down and audit your life. You know, God gives us a Sabbath. I am convinced in large part, so we can stop. We're, we're manna collectors. If we were in the wilderness, we'd be out there on Sunday morning looking for manna. Well, well, and we'd be collecting three days on every one day just in case there was a problem, right? God says, hey, God gives us the Lord's day and says, basically, slow down. But, but, but God, 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 I got so much to do. You think God's like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. You're right. God's going, do you now? Do you now? I'm sure we couldn't get that done in six days. You're right. God's, God invites us to give to him of, of our time, talent, and treasure. Well, well, God, I can't afford that. Really? No, God, I got bills. My kids got to go to college. I got to fix that. God's like, oh, totally missed that one. You're right. So sorry. God, I can't share the... You're wrong. Really? Slow down and audit. Where are you failing to live 
like you're saved to live. How are you saved to live? A life that sounds like this. Can you say this to Jesus? Jesus, I'm going to follow you, even though I don't quite know where I'm going, but whatever and wherever you may bring me, it will be all right with me. I'll say it again. Jesus, I'm going to follow you, even though I don't quite know where I'm going, but whatever and wherever you may bring me, it will be all right with me. That's a promise from God, if you like. Where in your life are you failing to rejoice and rest and trust in who Christ is, who you are, and why you are such? I'll give you three, three takeaways to close here. And I was mocked last week comically when I commented I'm landing the plane. Someone pointed out, I have to show you all the picture. It took me 20 minutes to land the plane. We'll put this sucker on the ground in under four. In this text, do you notice that God is far greater than you can comprehend? You gotta have to think about this one for a minute here. It may take me eight minutes. Do you ever talk to a baby? Ooh, goo, 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 ga, 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 ga. You ever talk to a dog or a cat? Don't do that, something wrong with you. No, yeah. Oh, little puppy doggy, how are you today? Do the baby or the dog ever talk back to you? Don't answer that one. <laughs> babies and dogs can't talk back to you, but you can talk to babies and dogs. You know why? It's a greater and lesser comparison. You're greater than the baby or the dog. You can talk down. They can't talk up. Another way to see it. You ever notice a wise person can see foolishness, but a foolish person can't see wisdom? Right? You tracking with me here? Now watch this one here. Do you notice in this text that the most high became the most low because the most low couldn't approach the most high? You see, we have a greater lesser comparison between God and man, God and everything, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. How does God become man? Well, how dogs sitting there going, how does he talk to me like that? You can't understand it. You're a dog. You cannot fully wrap your mind around a miracle. But listen, look at the greatness of God. Nothing is impossible with God. God saved people by becoming the most low while still being the most high. What makes us think that God isn't going to care for us perfectly in any and every circumstance? Don't you want to testify to the greatness of God? Well, you got to trust him and his greatness to do that. Number two, you are far more sinful than you realize. Now, I hammered you for months. You stink from Romans, right? right. I totally missed the depth of where we had to go with this. Do you know how much you stink? So much that God himself had to, have, had to die for you. The Son of God died so that you could be reconciled to God. I mean, chew on that for a minute. You weren't like a $50 ticket due. Truly man and truly God, the Son of God died so that you can be reconciled to God. He had to be fully man to be an atoning sacrifice for man. He had to be fully God because only God can forgive sin. And we'll unpack that in the coming weeks. But you stink so much that the Son of God himself had to die to save you. But there's one more. You're far more loved than you realize. How loved are you? 
Don't, don't miss the biblical narrative by totally removing yourself from it. It's not the triune God enjoying fellowship amongst himself and the son saying, Father, I will go and die upon the cross to impress you and show my love for you. And the father says, that is magnificent. Praise you, son. We adore your work and your love. And the spirit's just like, I will cause it to pass by my power. Stop it. Stop it. You are so loved that God intentionally chose to save you from himself, by himself, and for himself. God has tied his joy to your joy as his people. You can watch earthly parents and you can see certain attributes, if you will, of God through common grace. And you see them unfold in scripture. If a child asks for something good, what kind of father is going to give him a snake? Remember Jesus talking about that? You know when you have your own kids and, and they're little and they, they come, is it going to be okay? And you say to the little two or three year old, it's going to be okay. And then they get older and they know that you can't make everything okay. My friends, we serve a great and mighty God. And you can ask your heavenly father, is it going to be okay? And his promise through Christ is, it's going to be okay. And when he says it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And he loves you so much that if he would die for you on the cross and reconcile you to himself that way, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? And what does that mean? Jesus isn't dead. He is risen. We serve a risen Lord. We are cared for by a risen Lord. We are protected and provided and directed by a risen Lord. So here's what we did. I almost did it. I almost did a landing gear is fully engaged. We're 100 feet off the ground. We're coming in, and I don't think we're going to blow this sucker up on the way down. My friends, there's three more sermons in this text, but I won't do that to you. What a magnificent picture of what a Christian looks like. When I was two, I looked freaky. I had a, it was a white football helmet with a red stripe down the top. It was a double holstered revolver with big plastic rain boots under my mama's old purse. And I would carry that everywhere. And I remember my mom saying to Beth, through the story, obviously I don't remember the day of, that's what a two-year-old looks like sometimes. My friends, this... In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the same, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. 
And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, and this is where Mary looked like Christian people are supposed to look. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's a scary prayer to call out to God with in the flesh. But my goodness, what joy we have to behold as we do. What glory we are able to bring to him. And my goodness, how we will see our God work. The only question that stands before us is, are we willing to pray that prayer and live that life for the glory of God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work you did in Mary's life. Mary is an example to us here of how you save us to live. But at the same time, we realize that the only way Mary was able to do that is by grace through faith, by evidencing a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in her life as she died to self to live for your glory. Lord, that is what you save people to. And I pray, Lord, that we too would live the same way, trusting in you, resting in you, and walking with you. Lord, help us to slow down. Help us to audit our lives. Let me rephrase that. Audit these lives of yours that you've entrusted to us so we might steward them according to your word and for your glory. Lord, may we have a testimony day by day of how you care for us, provide for us, guide us, use us, or glorified through us. Lord, Mary was an ordinary, common young lady from a town in the middle of nowhere who simply was willing to walk with Jesus. And oh, how you worked. Lord, I pray that we would have that same testimony, that we would be willing to walk with Jesus more and more fully day by day so that even when we have no idea how it plays out, we would remember that we are loved, that you are far greater than we comprehend, that we are far more needy of you than we can wrap our minds around, and that you are truly with us by grace through faith. Lord God, help us to live the lives you've saved us to, knowing that you are the only one who can cause us to do it. The world will call us fools, but Lord, you would call us wise. Help us, Lord, for your namesake. Remind us of this good news of great joy that came at Christmas, that unto us was born in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And may we live daily under the saving grace of Christ so that we might bring glory to you and have the joy you intend for us. Jesus, in your holy and precious name we pray, because you came to save us. Amen.